Tron, what is up? Randy, it's been a little bit. God, what do we say? It's been about eight eight months? I think September 13th was the last time we posted one of these. Wow. God, it feels good to be back. Yeah. We've been in the lab. We're recording with actual uh, equipment now, not just a, a tin can and a string. Doesn't feel quite right, but we're yeah. going to make the best of it. We're still coming in hot with Jeezy on the front end, though. Yeah. So, hey, we're live in the Kill House. You know, for this first episode, we were kind of racking our brains a little bit. What what would be a good way to, to reintroduce ourselves? And what we have in store for you guys is... We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, not only ourselves, but each of the No Laying Up guys are going to talk about their experiences in the game of golf. So I think we have uh, three interviews lined up here with young Neil and Solly and DJ. I know we have three interviews lined up. Yeah, I I shouldn't act like it's (laughs) up in the air. We do have three interviews. Uh, Without further ado, I guess let's let's dive into it on the... All right, so our, our, our format is we, we essentially came up with like seven questions that we asked Neil, Solly, and DJ, and you and I are going to get into those right now. So I will start, Tron. I want to know why you love the game of golf. Uh, this is the one of all of them that I've been struggling with the most. Uh, I think I like golf because of the people, the people you meet. That's To me, that's, that's kind of... That's the reason why I like doing no laying up. That's the reason why I like to play and travel. And you know, I love the travel aspect of golf. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to meeting new people. And whether you know whether it be people at, at the home club or people you get paired up with randomly, or you know in our line of work now, talking to caddies or talking to fans or spectators, whomever it may be, it's it's just it's a great conduit for meeting a a variety of different human beings. I, I think for me personally, I kind of come at it from maybe the exact opposite angle. Not that I don't like meeting new people, but thinking about why I love the game of golf, it's I, I think where I've settled it is it's it's the internal aspect of it. It's the for for me the need to try to compete against myself, the need to or the, the want to kind of improve and better my game it's this constant you know struggle which I really enjoy to can I can I get a little bit better can I be more consistent and it's like this never-ending fight um, against perfection right and you know I I know it's an impossible fight um, but just the challenge and the battle internally, I think, is is what really makes the game special to me and why I love the game of golf. You're a nihilist. A little bit of a nihilist, yeah. Certainly more introverted, I think, than you as well. That's probably fair to say. Um, but it's just interesting kind of, uh, you know, kind of coming at it from two different angles. You're competing against yourself, you're competing against the course, competing against other people sometimes. You're yeah. competing against Paul, yeah. too, you know, it's... So yeah, uh, what was what was your intro into the game of golf? Talk us through kind of how you got to know and love the game. Uh, the franchise actually cut down a, cl- a club. It was a seven iron. Cut down a seven iron for me. Tour model. Um, and franchise was never a good golfer ever. <laughs> but I starting when I was about five, I think four or five. I just started chopping around the yard with that thing, and but never really. I don't think I'd ever been to a course until. Neil mentions it in our interview with him, where like we went and took lessons or this golf camp at this driving range up in Toronto. We were living in Toronto for a couple of years, 
and they had this crazy cool like putt putt course where they had actual bunkers and like yeah. lakes and stuff. It was <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Uh, so that was kind of my entree, and I was kind of addicted from then on. We we actually moved back to Atlanta like a couple weeks after that, and you know my parents joined Dominic Country Club, and from there it was it was kind of I was addicted from from then on. Yeah. How about you, Randy? Um, a little bit similar. You know, the the first the, there are a few things that really stick out in my mind when I when I think back on this. Um, the first is, you know, my parents joined a country club in Cincinnati, and they would put on a little junior clinic, you know, a little one-week thing every year in the morning. Um, and, and I remember, you know, doing that a few times. So that was just as far as, like, pure introduction to the game. I think that's probably the most defining memory I have. Um, but then, really, the, the two more things kind of stand out. One, uh, my grandma was a very good amateur golfer up in Northwest Ohio. And I remember every time I would go up and stay with them, you know, my favorite thing I would do with her when I was real young, uh, we would go and, and play putt-putt uh, just at the local Muni course. And then, you know, as I got a little bit older, I, it was it was a nine-hole course. And just getting to walk nine holes with her was about the, you know, I, I thought at the time it was about the coolest thing ever. Um, Kind of going into that, like when, so when along the line did you, did you love, did you start to love golf? Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I was primed to love golf, kind of going back to high school and, and junior high, spending those long summer days um, at the little nine hole course. Um, but I think when I really fell in love with the game and, we can talk about this more because it's one of our questions was um, working at a golf course in a bag room at, at college and, and just, you know, being, being in the bag room, some of the guys I worked with and then, you know, getting to play the course when we weren't working um, was that, that's when I fell in love with it. How about you? Uh, I, you know, I carried a little bit in high school. Like, I guess that's we'll just knock off one of the questions here. I mean, yeah. So, so talk to me. Yeah. Not only yeah. when, but but talk to yeah. me about your experiences working at a golf course. Yeah. I I really didn't do it consistently or all that often. You know, people have labeled me trust fund Tron, <laughs> <laughs> which couldn't be it's farther one, from the truth. It is one of my favorite nicknames, though. So. I had a pressure washing business <laughs> in high school, so I, I kind of devoted most of my energies towards that. It was, it was pretty good money, but caddied a little bit, a couple clubs around Atlanta. Um, but you know, so I, 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 like, I'm a little bit jealous of, of you, DJ, and Sally, where I didn't really, I didn't really have the occasion to work, you know, especially as a, you know, in, in the cart barn or, mm -hmm. you know, just as a range or anything like that, you know. So. Yeah, well, and I liked working at a golf course so much. I actually did it a few years ago. <laughs> I went back and did it a few years ago. So, my initial, and it's one of those things. It's like if there's any high schoolers or you know parents with with young kids, it's the the one thing I wish is I wish I would have started working at a golf course earlier. Um, I got into it after my freshman or sophomore year of college. Um, my well now brother-in-law, one of his buddies, hooked me up with a bagroom job at a, a country club in in Cincinnati. Which one? Uh, Cincinnati Country Club Triple C. And it, you know, kind of blue blood membership, uh, little exclusive. So you, you had all that, but kind of a surprisingly relaxed bagroom atmosphere. And I worked, one of my best friends from high school got a job there as well. Um, quickly met, you know, the other guys working in the bagroom. And I think what was most amazing and, and really what caused me to, to fall in love with the game was... We had full playing privileges, not only on Monday when, you know, the kind of the, the course was closed. They let us go out any day of the week when we weren't working, which, you know, at a That's country sick. club, especially yeah. kind of exclusive, you know, it could be Saturday late afternoon and assuming there wasn't an event going on, I, I could roll over there, grab a cart and essentially play as many holes as I wanted to um, by myself, which was just amazing. So... I, I did that for, for two summers, and 
you know, just some of the stories and, uh, you know, getting to know the security guard and different stories with members. It's it, it was just everything good and bad that working at a golf course could entail. Um, you know, you're, you're scrubbing clubs, you're running to the parking lot, you're, you know, doing everything for the members. You quickly find out kind of, you know, oh, that's the type of member I want to be if I ever am fortunate enough to, to have a, a, a country club membership. Um, it, it was just, yeah, it, it was it was awesome. And then, you know, fast forward, I was, so what was I, maybe 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, eight years later, kind of making a, a job transition, um, had ejected from the, the corporate world. I was like, oh, well, I, the one thing I've really enjoyed doing in the past is working at a golf course. So I finagled my way into um, a, a pro shop job up in northern Michigan at, at Boyne Highlands. And it was one of the best summers of my life. Got to work for a pro by the name of Dave Trudell, who, you know, is one of the best people on earth. Um and he just put me to work, you know, you, a lot of long days sitting behind the desk. Uh, sometimes I'd cover for guys out on uh, on the bag rack. Uh, I would caddy for people if they really wanted a caddy. I'd, I'd carry their bags around. And it just, again, getting to spend those long days at, at a golf course, you know, you're getting to meet like-minded people who love the game. It just is a great way to go about the day. Um so I think you learn a lot about the people that you don't want to be. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. And and it it is, you know, I, I think one of the best things about working at a golf course is it's it's humbling, right? It it, it you know, you, you you are doing jobs and you're quickly realizing like, hey man, I'm not too good to to clean clubs or or pick up trash or, you know, do a lot of these jobs that you know, nobody should be too good for that so it's it's good lessons from that and i think you're exactly right you see just the whole swath of humanity and, and you can kind of quickly identify like that's the type of person i hope i am you know mm -hmm. interacting with with service people as well so yeah i <laughs> i i think I, at some point i i think i got to dive a little bit deeper into my experience working in michigan because because it was great but I'll, I'll leave it at that for right now um I think, you know, the, the next question kind of on our list that I'm curious about is, did you watch a lot of golf growing up? And then kind of a two-part question, did you have a favorite player and a least favorite player? I think that was kind of my my biggest entree into golf, and that, was, that went hand-in-hand -hand with playing, was the franchise and Peg, they loved watching golf. For whatever reason, neither of them were big golfers. Yeah, which is surprising for yeah. them not being but, avid golfers. You know, so we moved to Atlanta in 1990, or moved back to Atlanta in 1996. Um, so I remember watching Faldo Norman, and then you know the following year watching the Cat. Um, but really beyond that, like that 98, 99, 2000, like I'm, I was kind of thinking about it. I was, I like, I love Duval, and just thinking yeah. about it, he dovetailed right with. That 98, 99, 2000, like that, you know, 24-month stretch, he won, sure. you know, eight or nine times there. Um, you know, so a big Duval fan, obviously Cat. Um, I really like Jay Haas. Oh, nice. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea why or, like, yeah. it just didn't, you know, not can't quite wrap my head around it, but I always liked nice. Jay Haas. Uh, guys I didn't like, it's kind of funny, the guys I didn't like, I've come completely full circle on yeah uh monty and sergio were my two least favorite players and they are probably i would hazard at least monty's like now like it's like monty sergio and spencer fascinating Levine are like person. three yeah. of my top five players you know? yeah so um but yeah that was that was kind of kind of you know just totally complimentary to my golf experience was mm -hmm. you know just like we every week i remember like watching colonial when Sergio couldn't, you know, like he had so much lag in his swing. He was putting so much backspin on it. It was coming off so low that he was clipping the front of yeah. the tee box the, the, on like his the higher drives. Grass. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, how about you? Um, so I'm kind of the same way. I was thinking back, like, you know, I, I can kind of remember watching the odd tournament on TV kind of pre-Tiger 1997, but I, but I feel like Tiger kind of, 
change everything. It. Yeah, it's kind of the the line of demarcation for me where, you know, after that it was like I remember tuning in much more regularly and and being much more devoted to watching golf. Um, you know, I was and still am a huge Phil Mickelson fan. Um, so I I think. Yeah, how, how did that come about? Well, I've given a lot of thought to that, and I don't have a great answer, except he was, you know, he's very telegenic, right? He, he when when I was young, he's, you know, good-looking guy, uh, tour visor, great hair, Hugo Boss sponsorship. Like, he was just cool. Yonix. Yeah, he was he was just cool. Um, but, but I think what really, the, the lasting thing was, um, the way he played. I, I think I really grew to respect, you know, for, for better or worse, he, he goes for it and, and he tries to pull off certain shots and whether he does or not, it's always fascinating. Um, I, I, think, I, I think he plays the game, although he's very analytic, so... I, but I, I do think he plays the game in a very artistic way. Um, he, he may not kind of think of it that way, but, but to me, watching it, it seems very artistic. Just the swing is long and rhythmic. And... Yeah, and I think then the, the, the second part of that was, you know, he was always just very open and, and candid in interviews. Um, and so I don't know. I, I always just kind of respected him for hey, one the way he plays, and then two kind of owning up to it and and facing the music when things didn't go well, um, made made me a fan. So I, I think having been then a natural Mickelson fan, I was I, I tended to kind of root against Tiger, um, just because you know it was it was kind of two camps. Are you a Mickelson guy or a Woods guy? Um, but but like you, I've almost come. I, I have come full circle now on Tiger, and it's like I love watching him play now, and I'm I'm rooting for him it's to. Performance art. Yeah, yeah. I like him winning again would be the best thing that could happen to the game. So, all right. Uh, well, next question, and I'm really curious to hear yours on this. Is I, I want to know kind of your highest moment on a golf course, and then conversely, what your lowest moment on the golf golf course has been. Uh, highest moment, I think Neil references it in, in his interview, but was probably when, probably when we won the state championship in high school. Yeah. Sounds kind of cliche or trite to say nah. that, but we'd had a pretty good season. Our number one player, Brett Lang, was going to, you know, going, he ended up going to Vanderbilt and everything, but he, um, uh, he played really well at state, we ended up going to a playoff, uh, end up I think I was number five or six player I end up going off um I see one of our guys pump like four drives OB in the playoff and, oh, nice. and I played I played really really well that day I think I shot like 70 78 that day in really high wins so I was like I was feeling it so I stick it to like you know like four and a half feet on this par five in the first playoff hole and I'm seeing everybody ahead of me play like absolute <laughs> dog shit. So I'm like, shit, we, we really need this birdie, come on. So I step up. I, I missed this birdie putt by like, I, like it didn't even, it didn't even come within <laughs> five inches of the hole. I mean. I've seen that putt from you well, so, yeah, more so than a few times. Stay tuned here. So, um, so my buddy Brett comes out after I pulled out for par and he, he, and he just puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, <laughs> It's all right, man. We lost by one, and he just let it like he let it like sink in for probably five, ten seconds. I mean, it felt like an eternity. Yeah. And uh, and then he was like, "I'm just messing with you. We won by four. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And, uh, and I'm like, oh my god. That's so that was that was my high moment. But <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was gonna be my low, low moment. I was gonna say low to high. And then probably my low moment was, um. Was kind of prolonged. It, it I, I guess I've got two. Like when I came back after college, I, I quit playing for like three or four years and just kind of lost my passion for the game. I went, I would go fly fishing a lot up in North Georgia, and 
you know, I'd like, it would kind of be, I know I used to be a good golfer and I still want to hit those shots and I still have those same expectations, but like, yeah, I can't physically do it anymore and I'm not playing enough to do it anymore. And it's just, it was just frustrating as hell. And I'd get pissed out on the course. I'm like, all right, this isn't, this isn't how I want to be on the course or the guy, you know, the golfer I want to be. So I'm just not going to play. Mm-hmm. Plus in Georgia, you know, in Atlanta, there's just not that many good public courses and, you know, trust fund Tron at age out, <laughs> out of the country club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so it was either drive an hour each way and go play a decent course or go play the Muni for seven hours, you know. Um, and then that kind of came to a head a few years ago in actually on Defusky Island. I was playing with you and your dad. Good bar. Good bar. Yeah. Our friend Good Bar. Phil's, Phil's, uh, my brother in law. Brother in law. And I was using this. Titleist, Futura, <laughs> Scotty Cameron putter. Satellite dish. Satellite dish. And uh, picking up all sorts of frequencies on that thing. And I missed a, I, it was grainy Bermuda, but I missed a, you say three foot putt? Three yeah. Three, four foot putt? Yeah, three and a half. By like two and a half feet. Yeah. I mean, I fanned the blade open. I think, yeah, and I think myself, Goodbar, <laughs> my dad were like, what the hell did we just see? Yeah. Like, it, it was almost like, there was no reaction because I think it took us almost like a few seconds process to process. It. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was probably my low point on the golf course where I, like I think we were playing for money and it was, it was <laughs> like oh my god like that was. And if you know Goodbar at all, yeah. like he's not one to like like he pounces on stuff like that and yeah, probably rubs so, it into this day. Yeah, so that was that was kind of you know I was just like kind of dipping my toe back into the water as far as playing a lot of golf. And, <laughs> Before I know it, I've got a full-blown case of the putting yips, and then they developed into yeah. the chipping yips, and it, it yeah. just got it got a little crazy. So that was my high-low moment. Um, oh, those are good. I've been racking my brain for a high moment, and because I haven't played competitive golf, there you know, there's no like, I didn't win a tournament, I didn't, you know, nothing like that. My low moment is, I think, is is better than that, and it's a little better story. Um, so at Miami. And I'm not sure if we had met, because this was my first year at Miami, so I, I don't think we had really gotten to know each other yet. Um, it was in the fall. I feel like it was either around midterms, and I went out to Houston Woods one afternoon, um, just by myself, was going to walk nine holes. You know, it was a nice day. The leaves were starting to turn. It was like, you it's know. It's like a state park course yeah, by Miami. It was, it was perfect. And, you know, paid my money out on the first tee by myself and it's a kind of a par five dog leg right and the dog leg is protected there's kind of like this line of trees and and whatnot like big um, ass hardwoods yeah kind of fan my fan my drive out there find my ball it's like nestled up right against this root and you know i don't really give it a second thought i'm, I'm just gonna try to hit this little like punch sting get it out and play and so i, I pull the club back and i make contact and the next thing I know is for really the only time in my life, I'm seeing stars. I, it's like almost like I almost like knock myself out. I'm seeing stars. I'm like struggling around in my feet. I probably took a knee. I don't think I've ever heard this. Before. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And I still don't, to this day, I don't really know. The only thing I can imagine is I, I, I'm fairly confident it wasn't the club face that came up and struck me. But I think the ball, you know, I, I hit the ball, it, it hits the root immediately and just comes straight up um, into my face. Well, a couple of things. One, I'm like staggered. Like, I, I and I'm embarrassed, right? I'm looking around like, holy shit, did anybody just see this? You're playing the game the right way, though. I'm playing the game the right way. And I, I don't really know what to do because I'm like in immense pain. I've almost knocked myself out. Um, I'm embarrassed. I'm, so I end up, I, anyway, I, I find my ball. I, I play the hole out. I think I make a six, you know, nice comfy bogey per, per usual. And I had to walk off the course. You played the hole out? <laughs> yeah, I played the hole out because thinking like, I, I got to get through this. Like, I can't just walk off the course now. So anyway, I, I play the hole, and then I walk off the course. I don't go ask for any type of refund or rain check. I'm way too embarrassed for that. Um, I, I just put my clubs in my car, and I drive back to campus. And 
I have the most gnarly black eye the next day. And as it happens, you know, I go to the doctor, I fractured my orbital bone. Um, you can see like the little dimples in my oh, cheek where yeah. the ball hit. Yeah, I, luckily I didn't have to have surgery, but I, I had a massive black eye for a few weeks and a fractured orbital bone from hitting myself in the face with a golf ball. Sick. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was my low moment on a golf course. Um, all right. Well, yeah, hopefully that's a little bit of a peek into, into our experiences. And, and like I said, we got three, uh, interviews lined up here. So I think we'll chime in with a little bit of reaction to each one. Yeah. So let's, let's roll the first one. It's the merch czar, your brother, yeah. young Neil. Neil, I guess where we'll start is tell me, uh, why do you love golf? Well, Randy, it's first off, it's good to be here with you. Um, I miss you. Had a great time out West with you. Why do I like golf? That's a loaded question. I like golf because I'm outside, number one. So I love being on a long walk with something to do. It kind of like when I when I go to the bar, sometimes I have trouble sitting on a bar stool for too long. So I like to play pool. I like games. I feel like golf is similar in that, you know, hiking, sometimes I'm like, I need an activity. Um, so whether that be hacky sack, sometimes when I go for a long walk, you know, you always bring the sack with you. With golf, it's a game. So I get to play. You get to be out in this unbelievable environment and then there's something to do while you're out there so that's always been what's drawn me to it what was your introduction to the game of golf so uh tron and i are from atlanta and i pretty much followed tron out to the golf course when we were young it was always more his game than mine i was playing a bunch of other sports more of a basketball guy growing up actually played a lot of tennis um in the country club days and actually we lived in uh even before that when I was really young, we lived in Canada, and I remember in the summer we went to this golf camp at some public course in Toronto, um, and they had like a they had like a range and like a pretty crappy nine hole course, but they also had like a an epic putt putt course, which was like like top Top Gun themed, so like fighter planes and like they actually had sand in the bunkers on the putt putt course, which I always thought was like the coolest thing ever. Um, but I remember playing a lot of putt putt with um, my grandparents growing up. And so I think that was always something that I, I associated with golf. And then once Todd got really into it, you know, naturally he's my older brother. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do what he was doing. Uh, so when we got down to Atlanta, uh, our dad joined a, a country club, Dunwoody country club. And we used to go out there in the summer. They basically had like junior day on Fridays where we were the, they'd send the juniors out off the back nine at like 7am, um, you know, do sweeping. Um, and then being able to play that, like a real course like that at probably seven, eight years old, um, kind of ingrained in me, like, you know, this is something that is worthy of my time more so because my brother was doing it than anything else. But then over time, summers in Atlanta, my summers were spent, um, probably, you know, at the golf club. And it was probably good for my mom because we were, you know, she knew where we were, we weren't in trouble. Um, and then, you know, you go out and play in the morning. And then you'd go to the pool and then you go back to the range and then maybe you get out for nine holes in the afternoon, basically spend the whole day up there. And then I had this like gnarly go ped that I spent like all this money on that I, I made dog sitting. And so this thing was so loud and I would just come like gassing up and down the street, like probably lived like a mile and a half from the, the club, mm-hmm. but I'd have my golf bag strapped as I got older strapped to my back. Uh, this is probably like third, fourth, fifth grade. And you could just hear me coming from miles away. <laughs> You know, I was, I was coming for, I was coming to take all the money, uh, at the club, but just, and just roll up. And then I basically spent all day there and like park the go ped by the gate. And then I just leave on the go ped and go back home. That's awesome. It was, it was, uh, I, I look back fondly on those days. Yeah, for sure. Did you watch a lot of golf growing up and kind of a two part question? Did any one player stick out? I mean, did you have a favorite player and on the flip side, did you have kind of a, player you'd like to root against um i would say i i mean tiger it's easy answer right i I remember vividly the the masters um his first masters win and and i also remember like going to school the next day that monday morning my mom driving us in the in the uh, schuster tahoe and i remember the radio and then talking about how historic of a win that was for tiger just like all the records he broke and stuff and I, i i remember that like kind of resonating with me just on like the local FM radio. Um, 
so I definitely remember watching Tiger. I, I wouldn't say I watched a lot of golf other than that. We used to go to the Bell South Championship, which was up at Sugarloaf, mm-hmm. uh, which used to be like the tournament before the Masters. So I went to that a couple times. That was probably my first introduction to live golf or going to a golf uh, event. Um, if there was a player I rooted against, it was, it was honestly, it was probably Sergio. So we'd probably come full circle on that. But I just remember him kind of being a little bit of a villain mm-hmm. with him and Tiger not liking each other. I remember that U.S. Open when, uh, I think it was a Beth Page where they were paired together and he just couldn't hit the ball. You know, he was just like waggling for hours on end. <laughs> and I just remember that being like something that Todd and I made fun of a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I, I think a lot of people have probably come full circle on Sergio. Um, have you, growing up, or even more recently, have you ever worked at a golf course? Um, no, I haven't actually. I was never, never a cart boy or a bag boy. Uh, you know, I'm a silver spoon guy, I guess. Um, <laughs> you hate to say it, you know, <laughs> you really do. But that wasn't, um, that wasn't. No, I sold kitchen knives. You know, that was my, uh, that was my foray in the work world. Was that was, was your hustle? Cut, yeah, I was hawking Cutco gear, uh, and I was, you know what, I was pretty good at it. So. All right. Well, good. Um, okay. The, the next one is, is a little bit like, why did you, you know, why do you love golf? But instead it's, when did you fall in love with golf? Yeah, I think, um, so I played competitively like Atlanta junior golf tournaments, Southeastern tournaments. I was pretty good, um, in the summer through ninth grade. And then I got a varsity lev- letter as a ninth grader playing golf, uh, played in a couple of like, varsity events. I don't even know if I really deserved the letter, but it was nice to wear the letter jacket. And, you know, it was good because it was like, all right, I got that. We're good as a freshman. Um, but then I, I quit golf from from a high school standpoint after that. So like 10th grade, I got really serious with football and uh, basketball, played lacrosse. So I, was, I went hard at the team sports. Um, and then as a senior, after my senior year and I was going to go play football at Columbia, I had this summer at home where I was working out, you know, a ton in the mornings. And then in the afternoon, I would, I still had access to go out to the Dunwoody Country Club and I kind of re, you know, refound the game a little bit where mm-hmm. I would go out there alone or with a, uh, another friend of mine and play these late afternoon rounds. And it was just like, it was really, I think back on that and think that was really special. Do you have a highest moment on the golf course? Yeah. You know, it's gotta be winning the stable, the modified stable for uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago out at Bandit. Um, I would say that though that like that was that trip is a little bit of a, a culmination for me. Like that was really a special, special trip with you guys. Um, when I was younger, uh, I made the like Atlanta Junior Golf like Grand Championship, and you know like I had a really strong summer of golf. I like made the leap. I was shooting in the seventies pretty consistently. Um, so that like you know making that tournament was probably a uh, I guess a special moment from a golf standpoint. All right. Well, Neil, certainly appreciate the time. Uh, Hopefully that was an insightful glimpse into your golf background and and kind of where you're coming from. Um, Yeah, thank you. Hey, yeah, you guys keep it up down there. All right? Proud of you, man. Proud of you. So, Neil, I mean... Always tagging along. Yeah, that was always the thing. He was he was a good little brother. I, so you say uh, that's gotta make you feel good as a, yeah. as an older brother. I was always a shithead to him too. I just <laughs> beat the hell out of him. Um, yeah. But yeah, he would go up to Dunham with with his golf bag on his back and the motor scooter. Um, was it as loud as he? Yeah, oh, as yeah. he remembers. Yeah, it was like a. I mean, it sounded like a freight train coming through. The, the other thing you kind of mentioned that I want you to quickly touch on is you, you definitely don't think Neil deserved that varsity letter. No, that was scummy. That was really <laughs> scummy. But yeah, and then he would, you know, he was a country club sport savant, city champ, tennis player. Yeah. And then, yeah, he hawked the knives, man. That was the other thing. Cutco knives. So, like, we never, we kind of started our own little businesses. I did the pressure washing, and he, mm-hmm. had, the, he had the knife business, and he was just selling knives to every... Every housewife in Dunwoody, nice in Sandy Springs, nice. Um, but yeah, the other the other memory I have is is you know he, he mentioned the Atlanta Junior Golf Grand Championship. Um, I made that a couple times, but he he made it, and I I went up with my mom. It was at this place, Brasstown Valley, up in up in North Georgia. And he made it ten on the first hole. <laughs> <laughs> like, and there, were, there was there was hazards everywhere to be fair, but like he just. Did he lose balls? He ejected was... so hard. He just like he topped or he he 
got under like two or three in a row right into the hazard and pulled oh, one left nice. and it was you know i think he played well otherwise but yeah yeah I think, tough you know, to recover made from a 10 on a par four on the first first round so Sick. i'm glad he still loves the game yeah yeah i got i'm glad he's still playing that that might be enough to drive me away um well cool all right um let's roll right into next one up is our boy solly Solly, thanks for being here. Uh, the first question I want to ask you is, why do you love golf? Uh, I love golf for a lot of different reasons. And uh, every time I try to explain it, I think it comes out very poorly. So I think I actually wrote some notes down for you know, my way of trying to get it, get it out. Um, I love the outdoors. Uh, I think when you play golf, you're outside for a minimum of four straight hours. You know, sometimes even more if you're having a drink outside. But I, I, the feeling of the sun on your back and... I'd say, like, I think probably of the top 100 experiences I've had in my life, probably about 90 of them have been outside in some way. Uh, so to be in the sun, explore different parts of the earth. I've always enjoyed geography. It's always been an interest of mine, and I've, I've traveled at great lengths just to see kind of different landscapes and experience, you know, the unique, the different unique places of this earth. And I, I kind of view golf as inherently like your own personal battle with nature, you know, with grass, with sand, water, and the many other many natural elements of the earth. And like navigating your ball through contours and around hazards, using your brain to strategize the most efficient way to do it, it's just, it's the best. And add in the feeling of a well-executed shot or a round that you like put together pretty well, there's very little else out there that really gives me the kind of the same satisfaction in golf. You're... You're playing against yourself, the, and the heartbreak strongly outweighs the triumphs, but that's part of what makes the triumphs so rewarding. If it was easy, it wouldn't really be that rewarding, I don't think. So add in the social aspect, it's not, it's not that fun to just go play on my own. All of my best golf experiences are with witnesses and friends and strangers and with my dad, um, and it's something you can do for life. I'm so thankful that my dad put a club in my hand as a kid because it's something that I've fallen in and out of love with it over the course of my life, but I think it's my love for it has never been stronger, and it's something I want to keep doing forever. Well, you kind of touched upon there uh, the next question I was going to ask, and that is, could you tell us about your introduction to the game of golf? Yeah, my dad and I went out on as a family vacation in Myrtle Beach to a now-defunct nine-hole course called Cane Patch. We were just up in Myrtle Beach a couple uh, months ago and tried to find it and learned that it was no longer there. I'm not surprised. It was not nice. Um, <laughs> I've been out with him to his club a few times. That was the first time we ever actually like played for real. So, uh, Growing up as a kid, I played on a little nine-hole course called Twin Oaks in Dublin, Ohio, which is, of course, no longer there. Uh, me and my friend Frankie, our parents would drop us off. We'd pay our 10 bucks or whatever it was, and we would just play all day. Uh, there was some really shady scoring going on back in the day. For some reason, like mulligans were justified, and I would come home and tell my dad that I shot even, but it was probably with like 12 <laughs> mulligans. I don't know why I thought that was okay. Played some at a course called Shamrock in Dublin. It's gone. Um, I then, I'm sensing a pattern here. Then graduated to uh, my dad joined, a country, joined Riviera Country Club when I was in high school. Guess what? That course is no longer there. I knew uh, that. A lot of golf in the Dublin area. Some of the uh, not-so-strong places have not uh, not survived. But, uh, no, that's that's kind of my path. and I kind of, So I kind of did a combination of a lot of public golf and um, some, some country club golf uh, in, into high school and whatnot once I started playing competitively. Nice. Um, did you watch a lot of golf growing up? And kind of a two-part question. If you did... Are, are are there any players that kind of stand out as as did you have a favorite player and conversely did you have anybody you like to root against? I don't remember watching a ton of golf as a kid. I think when Tiger Mania started happening, I was all in on that and was like appointment viewing for all of those majors. I always attended the Memorial Tournament every year. I was didn't really know how spoiled I was um, getting to go to a, a tournament that great. I had no perspective on how great that tournament was. For some reason, as a kid, I was drawn to Justin Leonard. I can't explain it. Um, I think it was because my grandpa loved him for some reason, and I just took after him. But my buddy and I would follow him around. My buddy Frank and I would follow him. And I, I don't know, they, we were out with him one time, and there was no one else following him. And he made it like a double bogey. And then he came back and birdied the next hole. And I was like, I was in between holes, like, I'm going to say something to him. He's like, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> And when he walked by, it came out like super high pitched as a young kid. I was like, way to fight back, Justin. <laughs> to this day, my buddy still roasts me for that. Like whenever I make a birdie after a bogey, he'll say, way to fight back, Justin. But 
Billy Andrade was like my first favorite player. He gave me a ball when I was a kid. Oh, nice. I still yeah. have that ball somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't remember. Did you ask if my least favorite player? I don't remember. If anybody stands out. Yeah. If, if. Honestly, I hate to say it, but kind of into my uh, like early teen years, anybody that was up against Tiger, I rooted against. I okay. Mean, I, I, I remember like. Bob May rooting against him, and then when the putt fell in the 72nd green, I was like, okay, you can't actually root against him. Whoever wins, this is going to be great. But I definitely remember rooting for the Tigers storyline. Did you ever work at a golf course? I did. Uh, after So after high school, um, my dad dropped the membership at Riviera. Uh, I think he kind of got a sense that things were going wrong over there. And I started working there um, when I was about 17, working at the cart barn, working for tips, scrubbing clubs, picking the range. I loved it though. I mean, honestly, like I, that was like almost where I wanted to spend my time. I could work the seven to two shift and go squeeze off of, uh, 18 holes afterwards, or maybe play in the morning and then work in the afternoon. Loved working for tips. I learned pretty quickly, uh, the service industry and uh, kind of hospitality and how people that work for tips, how they remember, you know, if you treat somebody with respect, I can still name the members that, you know, would give me a five or 10 every time or knew my name. I, I forgot. I, I'll never forget how much that meant to me as a kid to, you know, somebody would see me and say, Hey, Chris, and remember me. So I learned a lot in those years, learned about work ethic, showing up on time. And I think it's just, I don't know, to be around golf in some way as a kid and actually get paid to do it was, was a, was a thrill for me. Yeah. It's amazing kind of how far those, those seemingly little innocuous uh, touches can, can go. The next question I wanted to ask you, um, and you've kind of touched upon it, but slightly different, is when did you fall in love with golf? I think it was in middle school. Um, I got my first taste of competition and kind of team camaraderie. I remember more about the kind of the, the middle school team van stuff, the high school team, the just being in the van and those conversations and that kind of vibe than I do the shots a lot, but uh be, golfers were not the you know it's gonna surprise you not like the coolest kids in school and i i kind of i went from golf to basketball I was pretty much the only one that really went from the from that those two ends of the spectrum uh but i there was and i kind of got teased for being a golfer when you're on the basketball team and whatnot but i i loved it i honestly loved it and the, like i said in the beginning that the feeling of actually streaming together around and, and in competition especially uh was when i fell in love with it and i actually fell a little bit out of love with it after after the competition era kind of ended in college and shortly into the real world, I just didn't play a whole lot. And once you kind of had to pay full rates to play and, you know, once you were not making that much money of a salary, golf just became far less of a priority. But uh, I've come back full circle in a, in a way I couldn't have imagined. Mm -hmm. Do you have a highest moment on the golf course? And then kind of the natural two-parter to that is, do you have a, a lowest point on the golf course? I think... The highest moment, I've, I thought about this, and I really don't want it to seem like too much of recency bias, but I think it was last summer at the old course. Uh, that's when kind of things clicked from a golf understanding standpoint, I think, for me. I was iffy on the old course the first two times I played it in 2015, and I kind of started to learn more about architecture, about strategy, about you know what design intent and kind of... You know, when things go wrong on a course, you're kind of quick to blame yourself or blame the course conditions or blame the setup when you learn instead of thinking about how you're intended to go around it and how everyone's got to play the same conditions and hey these greens might be funky but everyone's got to play them once you kind of embrace that that's when things started to click for me uh, and that third round I just I got it it was a Friday afternoon tea time playing in in, in pretty strong wind back tees and after doubling the first hole I shot 73 as the sun set on the town, I rolled in like a 15-foot birdie on the 18th to shoot three under on the back, and I was just a, like kicking off a month-long stint around the British Isles playing golf. And I, I, I remember almost every shot from that afternoon. I had such a great caddy. Brett was his name. I remember him. He was just so on point. And and when he made him, like, he's like, you know what? Bad read on my part. Bad read. And I'm like, dude, I, I pulled the putt. Like, it was good. <laughs> but I just everything about that walk was was so special and. It was just like, man, that's 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 what was intended. Now I feel like I get the old course. I understand the people that go and don't love it. You take some understanding. I think I've said this many times on the on the on the main pod that saying, you know, Bobby Jones said, if you say you love the old course within your first ten times of playing it, you're lying. Mm -hmm. You just don't can't learn enough about it. But I at least think I started to get it. I'd love to spend a summer just out there playing. Um, 
Lowest round? I don't lowest moment. Um, probably yeah. when I shot eighty eight, the first round of the state tournament, my senior <laughs> year, we were like <laughs> far and away the favorites uh, to win the title. We were our team was just disgusting, and uh, I was I don't know I wasn't the we had two players that were better than me, but I, I don't know I'm gonna say I was the anchor, but it was like those two guys you could count on. I was kind of hit or miss, and I couldn't have missed much worse than that. My confidence was just shattered. We ended up getting upset and finishing in second. You should, our, our, our team photo is just like a bunch of miserable dudes accepting the, the silver trophy. Yeah. Uh, we were like the 72 Olympic team. We would have given that, those medals back if we, uh, if we had the option. So that's probably my lowest. Um, and I remember the last round that, um, that my buddy Frankie and I, we, we probably played 500 rounds of golf together. We met up at Riviera the summer that we pretty much knew the course was closing. I don't want to say this was a low moment, but it was kind of like a emotional moment. I don't, I never get to play Bitter golf sweet, with them. Maybe. Oh yeah. I never get to play golf with them anymore. And knowing that was the last time we would go around that course together was, I don't know if that counts as a low moment, but kind of something that, that no, I like that. I think that kind of transcends the question and I, I didn't want to kind of leave you at your low point there. So, <laughs> well, great. Uh, we'll uh, appreciate the time and thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Crack on. Jesus, man, Solly might be the course killer. Yeah, not good. Not good. <laughs> I played a few times out of out of Riviera with him, the Riv, the Italian American Golf Association. Yeah, we there. played there one time uh, the after. Memorial. Yeah, after yeah. going out to the memorial. Um, R.I.P. the Riv. His "Why Do You Love Golf" kind of sounded like Miss South Carolina too. <laughs> it's because you know, like it's like earth, wind, fire, yeah, like all the soil. elements. Likes being outside. I don't know if non-U.S. Americans like golf or not. Yeah, yeah. um, Or just kidding you, Solly. uh, And then, yeah, the other thing that kind of, kind of stuck out to me, I think his that was his last competitive round before the BMW Charity Pro Am. What's the eighty-eight he talked about in senior year at state? I think you're right because he said just last week when we were at the BMW Charity that he hadn't had a competitive round since high school. So. Maybe you have it. <laughs> maybe maybe that was good info for you guys to have before you put your money Yeah, that's true. May not be a big game hunter. So, um, but yeah, he just needs to. You know, hopefully our courses here in Jacks survive uh, survive his move down here. Otherwise, yeah, no doubt. Know, otherwise, we may be shrinking the game. Yeah. So that's a topic for another day. All right. Uh, last last interview here is our man uh, DJ Pie. Hello to DJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming first, on, man. Oh, first time, long time. First time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, huge. I don't know, you know, it's kind of an egregious, <laughs> egregious oversight on our part. It's a huge, a big hole in my resume. Ours, ours too. <laughs> uh, let's just cut right to it. Why do you Please. love golf? I feel like, first of all, these questions, I think, I don't know if Randy put these questions together, if you guys put them together, feel a little bit like the, the lie detector test, uh, those Zurich commercials. Jamie Donaldson, do you really love golf? And then he's on the lie detector. Um, I don't know. It's a big question. I think I, I was thinking about it a little bit uh, when you guys sent him over. And I think that the... I thought you were going to go into the Jamie Donaldson impersonation <laughs> no. there. I was like, that wasn't a, a Welsh accent. I don't, no, I don't think I... That's that's another hole in my resume is the Welsh accent. I don't think I can pull that off. Um, I think the why I love golf is that I think it is the perfect reflection of humanity as as like grandiose as, as, as that sounds i know it does but what i mean by that is like you can watch someone play golf for four hours and you can learn so much about that person and you can learn you know what they think is important on the golf course you can learn you know if are they out there to just like get shit faced and throw clubs and hit on the cart girl are they out there to take architecture too seriously are they out there to show everyone how smart they are are they out there to show everyone how strong they are Are that you know what i mean it's it's kind of like i think it's like the ultimate um i don't know it's just like a proxy for for, uh, There's good qualities too. Oh, for sure. No, hundred percent. That's why I think like, yeah. Sorry if that came off as purely negative, but see, you can tell by even this that I'm an inherently negative person. But no, I mean, you get out there and if you see somebody who like, like a, you know, everybody's got their own positive and negative traits, I guess. But like, what I would see as positive is somebody who's out there to not take things too seriously and have a good time and enjoy the right aspects of golf. I think that's what I try to do. Not only in golf, but like you know, with with everything, you know, it's it's. I, I think golf reflects that well, and I think you see that in equipment nuts. You see it with you know, just people who like to tinker with stuff needlessly, and like I don't know, 
You agree, disagree? Is that off base, you think? That that's that's how this I see question, my <laughs> This question is is for your answering. Well, that's how I see my own relationship with golf is like I think it's very 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 personal and I think that's a good thing. I, I think it reflects people really well. There's people who throw clubs that I'm like, "Wow, man, that like uh, that kind of tells me I don't really want to even like hang out with you because <laughs> like if you're gonna throw clubs like how are you gonna treat like a waiter or how are you gonna treat you know like I just I don't know that that shows me that I don't really want to be around. That was you. my kind of my analogy. It was like it sounds like the the supercharged version of sharing a meal with somebody. Totally. Yeah. I, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so piggybacking off that, what was your introduction to golf? I started playing when I was five. Um, I lived across the street from a golf course, uh, and I started going there every single day. I think I, I played with like most people or a lot of people or, or whatever, I, you know, my dad played. And so he would take me with sometimes and he would, you know, on Sunday mornings or something, if, if they needed a fourth or, you know, he'd wake me up and bring me to the golf course and I'd try to like keep up and not shit my pants when I was like really nervous on the first tee hitting in front of the next six groups who are sitting in their carts. Um, and yeah, I don't know, just kind of a lot, you know, the same as a lot of people just was kind of hooked there and, um, have played ever since that, that golf course. I mean, I, I ended up spending all of my summers there. I ended up working there since the time I was like some very illegal age, like 11 or 12 or something, just kind of like parking carts and getting paid cash and that kind of thing. They're out of business now, so it doesn't matter. No wonder, uh, right? <laughs> it's double jeopardy. They, they, yeah, the statute of limitations is over. Um, but yeah, I started going there every day. Worked there kind of through like the middle part of college, and then worked at other golf courses, and you know worked for Golf Week, and then worked for the tour, and then uh, now I do this, whatever this is, yeah, whatever this is. <laughs> um, and then kind of in the midst of all that, did, did you watch a lot of golf growing up? I really, not really. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I, um, I would watch the majors. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of boomeranging back to this lifestyle a little bit, but I mean, I'd watch, I'd watch the majors and, and get really excited about those. But my like watching of golf really didn't start until I started working at golf week, in which case it was like, you know, you're working kind of the shitty shifts that are like Thursday through Sunday nights, you're working to like midnight and just all you pretty much all you do is watch golf. And so I worked there for a couple of years and interned there for a while and stuff. And even after that, then I started, I mean, I've watched every round of every tournament pretty much and just kind of was a bit of a sponge and then kind of learned whatever the baseline of my, my golf viewing is now. Uh, who's your favorite player? Tiger, not even close. I mean, it was okay. like, I'm trying to think Tiger and Duval were my two. I was a front runner, I guess. Uh, it's uncomplicated to like those guys, I guess. What about least favorite player? Uh, and you can't just say whoever was. No, it was probably no, no, no. It was probably Phil. Honestly, I think he, he, my, my stance on Phil has mega evolved or devolved, however you want to look at it. But, um, I was like, I, I don't know. I think I got wrapped up a lot in the, what you hear kind of a lot of, uh, semi-educated golf fans say i think which is you know oh he's very fake and he i don't know i'm sick of his thumbs up all the time and nobody could be like that all the time and i think i was kind of i was kind of in that camp for a while when i was growing up and then only only in the last few years i think did i i kind of realize or uh convince myself maybe not realize isn't the right word but i convinced myself that there's more to it than that that it's just like basically just a giant performance art uh, piece that he's been working on for 30 years, which is basically this guy that is just kind of bored with everyday life and is constantly messing with everybody that he meets. <laughs> that might need to be a whole another separate <laughs> pod. Um, you already said you worked at a golf course. That was mm -hmm. the next question. So what, what did your jobs entail? Uh, I did, career? God, I did everything. I mean, it was like the, the golf course that I worked at, I'm trying to think, I mean, it was, it was really small. It was, I don't know if anybody listening to this would know what it is, but it was called the Oak Club of Genoa. Uh, it was in Genoa, Illinois, which is a town of, at the time was about 3000 people. Um, it, the golf course was way too nice for the neighborhood or kind of the town that it was in. Uh, and so basically there was this inherent struggle that was 
it was too expensive for the locals and like the locals didn't really care about it and they just wanted to play somewhere cheap and so it was this constant struggle of like kind of trying to uh convince people that it was worth it and uh stuck between release patterns. it was stuck between release patterns for sure and so i started doing you know a lot of the same things everybody else did cart cart boy uh picking people up in the parking lot loading up their bags washing their clubs that kind of stuff uh did that i worked and then from there i don't know i was like very I, I basically was like an assistant pro without any credentials, I would say. <laughs> I was definitely not good enough to be an assistant pro, but I would still do... You were like, underage, too. Yeah, I would do, <laughs> but I would do pretty much anything that came up. If they needed someone in the kitchen or behind the counter or snack bar or the bar or literally like to give junior lessons or to do any... Like I'd pick the range, do, you know, So, it's, so it's, it's possible. Which was there awesome. Are, there I mean, are was, people out there who... Like you gave them a tip or something one time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you yeah. messed up their golf. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that happened. I, I try to keep it to the, the basics. Anybody that that Mr. was so desperate situation. that they came to me, I, I mean, I don't think I made them worse. So when in the midst of all this, and I guess this is a presumptuous question, um, assuming you are in love with golf or have been in love with golf. <laughs> yeah. When did that occur? When did you fall in love with golf? Uh, probably during that job. Like just like we would we loved working there so much and we had like it, it was weird it, it was not like it's not the kind of place where there's like an hr mm -hmm. type of team or anything Apparatus. like that yeah i mean you pretty much just kind of do anything you want whenever you want and so i mean we like we just loved it so much that we would we would like camp out like me and like the other like high schoolers would have camp outs in like the basement of the club and like get up at four the next morning to work and i mean just i don't know there's something cool about being a high schooler that has, uh, like, kind of a shitty job. <laughs> like, there's something cool about being a high schooler that has to be to work at, like, 5 o'clock. Obviously not cool at the time, but looking back on it, you're like, man, nobody else is doing this. Like, everybody else is kind of sleeping in, and I'm up, and it's 6 in the morning, and I'm, you know, I'm going to go drive into town to the cafe and pick up breakfast for everybody. And it's all, it's hanging out with a bunch of old war veterans and stuff and i mean it's just like just awesome like, I, I loved i loved that aspect of it and i loved uh go see all the regulars and do all that stuff and so working at that long answer to your question but working on like working on that job was probably like what hooked me for life and then you know i after high school went to college and like tried to be an engineer for a while that obviously didn't work out well uh but after that it was like all right let's get a job in golf I don't know what it's going to be but like there's got to be something and so it was kind of never really another option it sounds like it added some texture to your it did your for life. sure and it and it added a lot of like it added just a whole um I don't know I think like I never got a chance to be uh biased against golf because all the things that people fucking hate about golf which is the snootiness and like you know the the expensiveness and the exclusivity of it and all that stuff was like couldn't have been further from like where I grew up. I mean, it was like where I grew up was, you know, there's hillbillies packing their own coolers that you're trying to like sniff out and you're trying to like find those guys who were, Oh, someone just wrecked a golf cart in the river and like all that stuff. And I mean, it was like, like, I don't know, looking at that, I probably was never, I probably never got to like, the, I, I definitely never got to like the snootiness of it until after college. And I started like playing other places and, yeah. and doing other things because you know, I, I for sure see how people could get turned off of that experience. But growing up where I did, like, I don't know how anybody could grow up where I did and have, like, the experience that I had and not just, like, be completely obsessed with golf, which is, I mean, there's a whole other podcast, but that's what's so heartbreaking about all of these kinds of courses closing. Because, I mean, that's, like, an entire generation of people from, like, not just my town, but the surrounding towns and all that stuff who are just never going to, like that just doesn't exist for them. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's not like there's something you can do to like make it accessible for them. It's just like the golf course doesn't exist. Yeah. You can't start like a junior program or something. It's just like, there's, yeah, there's no foundation. There's anymore. no foundation. Yeah. And it's just like really pretty, pretty hopeless, which is, Sick. yeah, which is super uplifting. You had me go in there until, until you started talking about narking out, uh, you know, the hillbillies with their own coolers. I was pretty laissez-faire about the whole situation. It was very like, um, hey guys, like if you know if you're if you're cool with me, like I, you know I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here. But uh, yeah, the, the 
the staff uh, at, at the course definitely ran the gambit from uh, the super militarized, intense, uh, like, <laughs> basically just, yeah, take no prisoners kind of approach to the, like, hey, man, can I get, like, one of those beers and we'll just kind of look the other way sort of approach. Uh, so it was good. It was a good mix. All right. Uh, highest moment on the golf course? Uh, man. I, I mean, it would be, like, probably one of those one of those moments. I, I just can't think of anything, like, specific from but in that my vein, childhood. But, like, the yeah. days where you would go out and you would legitimately play – 72 holes mm-hmm. on a summer when there's nobody like that was the other thing was like summer vacation or something if you go out there on like a tuesday 102 degrees and there'd be seven golfers all day and so you just grab a cart and you just play literally all day and you just keep looping and looping and looping and you never see another soul so uh conversely lowest point on the golf course that's that's i don't know that's a hard one i, I haven't had like i don't think i've ever taken it like serious enough to have too many like really low moments uh i've been trying to like i try to qualify for a college golf team and like i think kind of realizing like yo like you're not even fucking close man like (laughs) i'm at like a bad golf school and these kids are like so much better than me it actually kind of even took a little bit of pressure off too where it was kind of like oh okay you don't have to worry about that anymore like you're not even close so so i mean i'm not gonna let you off the hook here so please specific lowest moment i mean was would you say when you when you came to that realization that you that you weren't very good (laughs) i guess so i'm trying to think if like i'm I'm trying to give you a really specific one um it's probably like a day like that where like you know like they had qualifying uh i went to bradley university in peoria and they had qualifying at like one of the park district courses which was like so simple and just i think i think the lowest moments for me come when everything is right out in front of you and you've spent time actually like thinking through like a game plan and like trying to execute like a shot and you're like okay i know that i need to i need to hit it on this side of the fairway i'm gonna even take a little less club i'm gonna do all the i'm gonna do all the right things on paper and then you just like chunk fat it like into the water and you just can't execute i think there was a moment like that on like the second hole where I, i made like a good par on the first and the second hole i just like i hit like a shot that like no collegiate golfer in the history of collegiate golf has ever hit. And I'm like, okay, well, there it is. All right. Well, this is going to be a long, and then by the, by the end, like they kind of like repaired and I got paired with these guys who were just like seniors who were like, yeah, we heard if there's golf tryouts, like we get to play free golf. (laughs) (laughs) And I I ended up playing with those guys. Like we had a great time. So you got the message. Yeah. I got the message for sure. Yeah. Cut it there. Well, DJ, thank you. (laughs) You got it. Always a pleasure. Hey, thank you, man. Love what you guys are doing with the trap draw. (laughs) Bringing it back. Man. Just typical DJ, getting real deep on us. Very but, thoughtful. But also very true. Yeah. Um, you know, again, not, he's another course killer. He's, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I'm kind of just depressed after, like, his, his whole summation of, hey, these kids aren't going to be able to get that same experience because the course doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. Like, that, mm-hmm. that is exceptionally bleak. Well, and I think too, it's like when, like, the, the Grow the Game campaign, which mm-hmm. is kind of an eye roller, just, for a lot of reasons, but it's really as simple as providing great experiences to juniors at, and I think inherent in that is like at a very low cost. I think it, it doesn't have, to, it's not more complicated than that. I think like the, the big holes and the, you know, the live under, you know, all these campaigns, it's like, no, nah, it's pretty simple. It's just make it a really fun experience for juniors. Um, and very approachable, very cheap. Right. And, yeah. and that usually comes with like good pros that kind of get it. And it doesn't even have to be like good courses, but just I think that's, that's available the thing for courses. me that, that gets it is like I didn't, I didn't know anything about the architectural merits of golf until wow. last. I mean, Six, that's something seven, like if years. you want to dig into, like have at it. But I don't yeah. think that's essential at all. I'd play a good course, and but not realize why I liked it. I just knew right. I, I liked it. But you know, I still look back on the course I grew up playing, and it's yeah. You know, it may not be great architecture, but it was good enough, and it was. You, you like it for what it yeah, is. Yeah, you hit the shots. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. So, um, I think you really liked his Mickelson take. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the best takes yeah. going today. Yeah. You know, just you know, right. Phil's a, a sociopath and. <laughs> kind of performance art and all that but right. um 
yeah, I think DJ's a narc too. That was he a little might bit have been a little bit of a cop. Yeah, yeah. busting people for bringing beer on, and yeah, you know, that was kind or of or like a little little uh, kind of a crooked cop too. Yeah, Getting sounds bribed, like yeah. You know? The other thing that stuck out was you know he was practicing without a license. He's <laughs> giving people lessons without, you know, this is a guy that showed up to try yeah. out for his college golf team and, yeah, and basically, yeah. Uh, you know, basically they paired him up with the two freeloaders mm-hmm. who showed up wanting to. That was a funny story. I, I, I could hear him talk about that for a while. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, I had a similar experience in Miami. I think I went out like for one or two tryouts, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good, man." I'm, you guys have fun I'm gonna now. Go, I'm yeah. gonna go drink and party and just. I'm gonna go check out uptown. Do what it is that yeah. college kids do. Well, good stuff. Yeah, I hope. Um, I think this is probably a little different than certainly what we have done in the trap draw. I think we're gonna get back to a little bit more of our. I don't know irreverence and and whatnot, but but I do hope you know if, if you if you cared at all, it's kind of a glimpse into all of our backgrounds and a little bit of our our mindsets. So you know that and a couple bucks can get you a cup of coffee tomorrow. <laughs> Cheers. Block that right on my waistline is why I kept that strap. I remember nights, I didn't remember nights. I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right. Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who